I'm going to preach with everything I got today. Did you come to hear God's word? I'm telling you, you know, everything is about you leaning in and listening. I'll preach sometimes. People be like, oh, that's the best message you ever preach. I'm going to be like, no, that's the best time you listened. <laughs> like you actually weren't on the gram. <laughs> you paid attention. So uh, let's, let's lean in today. I really believe this is for somebody. I was going to preach something else, and then God woke me up like at 5 o'clock this morning and said, no, I'll do this. So whoever you are that jacked up my sleep. This is for you today. Go to the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And uh, I want to look at verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3. We'll start at verse number 1 and land at verse number 10. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. If you need some time to find it, say, hold up. I heard those faint hold ups. I want, I'm going to wait. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse number 1. It says, uh, one day. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something, something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. You know, that's generally where most people stop in life, is what they don't have. That's generally where the enemy will attack your life, remind you what you don't have. Oh, you know, you don't have this. You know, you don't have what they have. But I love that Peter didn't stop at what he didn't have. He said, but what I do have, ooh, I give you. That is delicious right there. I almost preached just on that verse right there, and I was going to call the message, the have and the have nots. Because when you know what you have, you can give what you have. I'm already preaching it. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff right there. I want to preach on conference Sunday, not long, probably about six and a half hours, just using this as a title, The Beauty of Being Stuck. The Beauty of Being Stuck. Look at your neighbor one last time, get in their face, in their personal space, and say, neighbor, you know I can see you, right? You didn't look at your neighbor. Come on. <laughs> look at your neighbor. Whichever one you like the best, you can pick and say, neighbor, <laughs> there's a beauty to being stuck. If you believe God's going to speak to you, give him some praise in here. <laughs> Father, have your way on this conference Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody been 
to an airport lately? Can I see your hand? You've been to an airport lately. A lot of hands. Uh, if you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact that what I just asked was, has anybody been to purgatory lately? <laughs> anybody been to hell and back lately? People, after 15 plus years of traveling, spending 52 weeks out of the year at an airport, I am fully convinced that if you really want to test your faith, then book a flight. <laughs> book a flight. Like, like, if you really feel like you're full of the spirit, fly spirit. Fly spirit. Just, just do it. You, you understand that the Bible says, the Bible says that the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, don't forget that last one, self-control. If you are a believer, then that fruit should be evident in your life. However, if you're here today and you say, hey, Robert, I got that fruit, but you've never flown. How do I say this? I don't believe you. I don't believe you because the airport is designed to suck the fruit of the spirit out of you. The whole airport is constructed to make you lose your mind, your faith, your Christianity. People, the lost baggage claim desk. <laughs> it's really just a test to see if you won't say words that you're not supposed to say. Yes, the reason the person behind the counter is moving at a glacial pace and is typing one word per minute and seems to be undisturbed and unperturbed by the fact that you paid them a fee to lose your bag. It's because that person wants to quietly giggle on the inside when they make you go off in public and speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's frustrating to fly. And over the years, I, I've developed some, some, some flying rules. I have flying rules, and I won't bore you with all of them. But one of them is uh, I am a nonstop person, okay? Non-stop flights. That's my life, okay? From Dallas to my destination, I am a non-stop Person. The problem with my rule is there's just some destinations in life that if you're going to get there, you will have to make a connection. There's some places in life, if you're going to get there, you got to stop and make a connection. And so this is the problem I find myself in is sometimes when my departing flight, and I got to connect, is late. And I land at the airport and my connecting flight, I have now two minutes to get to my next flight. And the problem is I landed at gate A1, but my flight is at gate Z99. And I've got two minutes to get to my next flight. Now, at this point, I'm in a precarious predicament because I have like three options, okay? I can miss my flight. I can uh, call for the cart to take me to the flight, or I can just get Orange Theory into action and run all the way, not base pace, all out pace, straight to the gate. And that's what I'm going to do. You think I'm going to take the cart? I'm not going to miss my flight. No, I'm going all out with everything I got, and I'm going to run to the gate. And here's what I love is I'm running with all I got to the gate. I will see something in the distance. I will see something that reminds me of the favor of God. I will see something that reminds me that God is still in the miracle working business. I will see one of those moving walkways. Ooh, I love the moving walkways. That's my jam. I love the moving walkways. To me, moving walkways are like the favor of God. Because if you get on that moving walkway, it's going to expedite your journey. 
it's going to get you places that you couldn't have got there in your own time schedule. I love the moving walkway. I love the moving walkway. I feel God's power on the moving walkway. The only problem with the moving walkway are the people on the moving walkway who refuse to you're in this room today what is wrong with you why are you standing on the moving walkway with your luggage in my way it's a moving walkway people this is a big issue in our nation that nobody's talking about Nobody's talking about these standing people on the moving walkway. It's gotten so bad they had to put up a sign of segregation. You seen the sign on the moving walkway? It says, if you're a walker, go to the left. And if you're standing, go to the right. They put up a sign because of this. And the problem with that sign is it's just, it's just, it's just, the space is this small. It's only this big. So I wish they would change the sign to walkers stand on this side and standers go home and never fly again so noise me standing moving walkway I think my frustration with these people is not that they're standing because they were just in the airport standing I think my frustration just stems from the fact is that you've brought stagnation to a mechanism that was made for movement. My frustration with them is that you are stagnant in a place that was created for movement. And anytime you have stagnation in a place that was made for movement, you will have frustration, you will have tension. Come on, this is the tension of traffic. Come on, somebody, I don't mind sitting on my couch for an hour, looking out a window, listening to some music. That's catching a vibe. But if I'm on the 405 for an hour looking out the window, now I'm going crazy. Oh, I can crush a whole series for four hours sitting on my couch in one place. But if I'm on the tarmac on a plane, I'm going to go off. If I'm on the tarmac, I want to take off because stagnation in a mechanism that was made for movement will always produce frustration. And I'm wondering if the frustration in your life is as a result of the fact that you've become stagnant when you were created for movement. I wonder if the problems you're facing right now and the tension and the frustration in your life is simply a result of the fact that God did not create you to be still, stagnant, stationary, but he actually created your life to move. Come on, he's trying to take you somewhere. He's trying to take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody that knows that God has already prepared a place for you and he's trying to take you to the place that he already prepared. Oh, that's why the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Not the stagnation of the righteous because God is always trying to take you somewhere. He's actually a God of movement. From the book of Genesis, he shows us he's a God of movement. Give us some scripture for that, Robert. I'll give you scripture. 
Right in the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. This is Genesis chapter 1. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Genesis chapter 1, you already see that God is a God of movement. That's what he does. In fact, all of Genesis, Genesis is really the commencement of a symphony that created was created by God, the cosmic conductor who in creation just pulled out his baton and began this melody of movement. Everything he made had to move. Let there be stars. The stars orbit system all in place. He's like, no, you can't just stand there. You got to move. Let's go. Even right now, the solar system, you know, we moving right now. You can't feel it. Just conducting the movement. Even the waters, let there be water. Now, you can't stay stuck, water. Mm -mm, that's mosquitoes. You got to get to move. Every animal had to move. Cheetah. Everything he created had to move. Even the turtle, the turtle had to move. Turtle's like, God, you know I'm an introvert. I can't come out of my shell. He's like, no, you got to move too. Not as fast as the cheetah, but you can move. Everything God created. I feel like preaching. Everything he created, he created for movement, for movement. Even Adam, even Adam, who he reached down in some dirt and formed him. There Adam was stuck and all of a sudden breathed into him the breath of life in his heart. That's what the doctor does when you're not feeling good. That's why he puts on headphones and he just checks. He's trying to see if the same beat of creation, the same beat that Adam got is still going in your chest. See, that's why I have to give God my best praise when I come into church. It don't matter what I'm going through. I'm just thankful that he gave me another day that my heart is still beating and that heart is connected to my lungs. And our Bible says that let everything that has breath pray. Oh, come on. Can we take a praise break on Conference Sunday? If your heart is still beating, would you give God the best praise that you got? Oh, you ought to praise him like you want your heart to keep on beating. Come on, give him some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Woo. God is a God of movement. You don't believe he's a God of movement? People, two-thirds of God's name is go. <laughs> Somebody get that tomorrow. He's a God of movement. Go into all the world and preach the God. Movement. He's a God of movement. The problem with humanity is that we have the tendency and the proclivity to get stuck. Get stuck. We all get stuck. That's why you're sitting in the same seat <laughs> that you generally sit in. You go to the same restaurant every Sunday because we have this proclivity to just get stuck. It's, all, like, it's like it's in our nature to get stuck. As a matter of fact, theologically, you understand that every problem in the world today is as a result of the fact that Adam and Eve got stuck. Stuck at the wrong tree, listening to the wrong voice, so they made the wrong choice. They got 
stuck. And now we are reaping the ramifications of the sickness of their stuckness because they got stuck in Genesis chapter 3. My text today is in Acts chapter 3. And if you look at the text just from a micro level, which we will, all you'll see is a man who is lame, lame from birth, sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful, begging, and Peter and John lift him up. That's the micro level. But if we broaden the lens of our camera and really look at this text from a macro level, you understand that Acts chapter 3 is really giving us a picture of humanity, that all of us are lame. You're sitting next to a lame person, lame from birth, stuck in our sins, lame. From birth, from birth, nobody had to teach you to be selfish. Nobody had to teach you to like, you were lame when you came out the womb. Lame from birth with no access to the temple, no access to the presence of God. We were stuck. All of humanity was stuck on the outside. And all Jesus did, the cross, is what Peter and John did. The cross is what picked me up and put strength in my legs and allowed me to move. Is this too much for conference Sunday? that allowed me to move into the presence of God that I would have no access to. But because of what Jesus did, I now have access to his presence. I can approach the throne of grace boldly because Jesus reached down and lifted me up. I don't have to be a beggar because I'm a son. I have an inheritance from a father who paid a price for me. Really, Acts chapter 3 is really picture of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve and all of humanity got stuck. And as soon as Adam and Eve sinned and they got stuck, in my mind, this is not in the Bible, in my mind, as soon as they got stuck, there was an executive trinity meeting in heaven. And God called it, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And and they all looked down to Adam and Eve and God goes, you see them? They stuck. You know they can't get themselves out. They're too hashtag jacked up uh, to get themselves out. So one of y'all going to have to get them out. And I can see Jesus looking at the Holy Spirit going, Psh, well, can't nobody move like you move. Why don't you go down there and get them out? And the Holy Spirit looks back at Jesus and says, Jesus, uh, don't play. Don't play. Don't play. Come on. You know, I'm Acts chapter 2. Don't be trying to jack up the Bible, Jesus. You Matthew chapter 1. No, no, they stuck. They need a Savior. That's you. You go. You go. He's like, all right, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I know. I know. We talked about this before. I'm tripping. So Jesus, he, he leans over the balcony of heaven, and he just, he jumps, and he lands in the womb of a virgin named Mary Christmas. And all of a sudden, Mary's like, whoo, Joseph, we need to talk. Talks to her fiance. And Joseph's like, yeah, we need to talk. You've been distant for a while now. Girl, what is wrong with you? And she goes, oh, Joseph, how do I say this? Um, Okay, um, just, just give me your hand. Give me your hand. She puts her hand on his stomach. She says, Ooh, Joseph goes, something is moving. She's like, yeah, that's what he does. And they get in an argument. And, and then they, all of a sudden, Mary's like, I got to go. And she takes an Uber to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And when she pulls up at Elizabeth's house, she steps out the Uber pregnant. And Elizabeth is pregnant too. And like two penguins meeting in Alaska, they both waddle up on each other. And Elizabeth said, girl, you ain't going to believe what just happened. As soon as you got out of that Uber, I hadn't felt my baby move for a long time, but as soon as you got out that Uber, I don't know what's in you, girl, but all of a sudden, my baby started moving, and Mary goes, girl, that's what he does. That's what he does. She's like, I can't believe you took an Uber all the way down here. You're pregnant, Mary. You ain't supposed to 
supposed to do that? She was like, yeah. Ooh, and the Uber driver was crazy, too. Elizabeth goes, what, what was his name? John. I like that name. Fast forward all the way to the Jordan River. And John the Baptist, 30 years later, is in the Jordan River with the water moving between his legs to the same cadence of creation. And all of a sudden, as he's baptizing somebody, they just he just leaves them down there in the water and goes, wait a minute. Behold, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. And all of John's disciples are like, you know that dude? He's like, yeah, as a matter of fact, 30 years ago, we met before. 30 years ago, we were in water. And now we're in water again. Okay, and all of a sudden, he baptizes Jesus, and all of a sudden, he gets up, fast forward to the cross, goes to the cross, dies for the sins of the world, gets up from the grave, ascends back to heaven, and all of a sudden, the Trinity executive meeting is readjourned, and man, God looks at Jesus and says, man, you killed that thing. You know who's up next? Holy Spirit says, I already know what I got to do. Gets on the same balcony of heaven, who jumps off the balcony and lands in the upper room one day where some believers are having a prayer meeting and all of a sudden they're like Whoa, I feel God moving in here and they're like oh that's what he does and all of a sudden they're full of the power of God and are given the authority to be his witnesses to Jerusalem Judea and to the ends of the earth and Peter and John are in the meeting and he said hey he said we're gonna go all the way to the ends of the earth but we better start in Jerusalem so he said come on John, Peter says, come on, John, let's go pray. So Peter and John are on their way to church together. Peter and John are on their way to church together. Peter and John. Peter and John. Are going to church together. Peter and John? Come on, one of these things is not like the other. You don't get more of a walking contradiction than Peter and John both going to Jesus already ascended. They don't have to hang out anymore. The only thing that connected them was that Jesus called them. Why in the world are Peter and John going to church together? Peter and John. Peter. Is old. John is young. They're a walking contradiction. Peter, whoo, he's a cusser. John was a lover. They got nothing in common. Peter is an extrovert, just speaking before he thinks, always putting his foot in his mouth. John is an introvert. He's insightful. When John got ready to show his love for Jesus, he put his head on Jesus' chest and just cuddled. For Jesus, when Peter got ready to show his love for Jesus, homeboy put out a switchblade and said, Jesus, ride or die, you know I got you, and started cutting ears of Peter. And I'm just trying to figure out how a gangster and Gandhi are going to church together. Peter, this is a walking contradiction. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. Maybe Peter and John are teaching us a profound principle that what the culture calls a contradiction, the kingdom calls a collaboration. 
that what the culture calls a complete contradiction in the kingdom of God, it is not a contradiction. It is actually a collaboration. This is the power of this moment right here in church, that we can come in here together with all of our differences. You know how many differences are in here today? But the one thing that unites us is that Jesus is Lord, that he is the God of the universe, that we have relationship with him. And what the culture calls a contradiction, God says, in my kingdom, it is a collaboration. And that's why I preached on offenses last night, because if the enemy can get us to hold offenses, and to be mad at each other, and separate someone, well, you're not like me, we will miss the power of a collaboration. That's what the kingdom is about. It's about collaboration, what the culture calls a contradiction. The kingdom of God says that is a collaboration. I know, I know you like to roll with people that think like you, go to the same places you go to, vote like you, but our power is not in our similarities. Our power is in our differences. And if we could just collaborate, people who are lame could actually get up and be healed and restored. You know, my, my wife and I, we're different. So different. We're different. I'm a man. She's a woman. We, we're different. It's a contra, contra, major contradiction. She's a lover. I'm more of a Peter type person. I, oh, God, I'm, I'm an introvert. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. She talks to the wall. She will talk to anybody. We're different. We're different. I'm chocolate. She's white chocolate. We're different. Totally different. It jacks up pictures. I need good light in my picture. I need Oprah light. I got to have good light, but if it's too much light on me, it washes her out. This is a contradiction. Go to the pool and the beach. It's all jacked up. <laughs> She's trying to find the sun. I'm trying to find the shade. I'm good. I don't want to change. I'm good. I'm happy with what I got. Contradiction. I'll never forget Pastor Chad, a pastor uh, that I actually respected and really looked up to. I'll never forget what he said to me when I was getting ready to propose to Taylor. He said, uh, I heard you about to propose, and uh, you know she white. <laughs> said, I noticed. <laughs> he said, I mean, this is, this is a pastor who I respected. He said, you can if you want. But just know it will limit your ministry. And the day we live in, you can if you want, but it's going it's to hold your ministry back. And every time God opens up a ridiculous, crazy door, I think about what that pastor said. Because what the culture calls a contradiction is actually a place of incredible collaboration. And beauty can come out of the contradiction if you'll collaborate. You don't believe me? Have you seen my kids? Can you put my, you got a picture of my, of my little humans? You got that picture? Yo, I made that. Made it? Not by myself. <laughs> collaboration. I, I wonder, you could take it down. I, I wonder, I wonder if it was the compassion of John that noticed the lame man, but the courage of Peter, who still had his switchblade. He said, get up. You feel sorry for yourself. Get up. The first miracle of the New Testament was a collaboration of two believers, one that had a big heart and one that had a big mouth. 
because the two of them collaborated, a lame man got up. I wonder what miracle is on the other side of your collaboration. I, I'm almost done, but can, can we switch the lens, not from Peter and John, but look at this lame man. This lame man, lame from birth. Pastor Chad, whenever I preach a text like this, I'll just sit in my house like this to feel, to feel the dude in the text. I'll sit like this. Because even in our current context, we don't really understand what people with disabilities have to go through. But can you imagine in biblical antiquity, no wheelchairs, no hover-rounds, the epitome of being stuck. Once you were here, you're comfortable. You're here for a moment. And the frustrating thing about being stuck, I was thinking about this. The only thing that wasn't working in this man's life were his legs. Everything else worked. Mind worked. Eyes worked. Hands worked. But because one thing was out of order, it affected everything in his life. Isn't it crazy how one thing in your life can affect every other aspect of your life? It affected everything. It affected his financial situation. He's now begging. It affected his relationships. You understand, when you're lame, only people you can talk to, I mean, look at proximity. That's all you, you can only talk to other lame people. Say the way I want. Lame, recognize lame. <laughs> so you develop a system of your stuckness. Every conversation about how, how much you get today, bro. Yeah, I did I. Yesterday was better. Systems of stuckness. And all your relationships are with stuck people. And isn't it funny, have you ever had been stuck and actually had God raise you up? And all of a sudden, the people you used to roll with that are stuck, and you try to go back and have the same conversation with the people that you used to be stuck with, and all of a sudden, it's different. It's not the same. And then they got the nerve to look at you and say, mm, you changed. Something different about you. Uh, that's the point. I'm trying to change. No, no, it's not that. You acting brand new. No, you acting brand new. No, you done gone to Zoe conference now. You all stuck up. You all stuck up now. No, I'm not just stuck up. I'm not stuck up. I'm just up. You stuck. I'm up. I can't have conversations I used to have. I can't go to places I used to do. I can't think the way I used to think. I've actually had an encounter with Jesus and he's changed my life. I'm not stuck up. I'm just up. You stuck. <laughs> Start developing systems of stuckness. And the thing that got me in the text, I'm landing the plane. But the thing that got me in the text is the Bible said every day, not just on Sunday, every day he was brought to the temple gate. Are y'all all right? Brought to the temple gate every day. So that means there are two people in the text who are not mentioned. We hear about Peter and John, but there's two other people we don't hear about in the text. Now, I want to bring them out right now. Will y'all help me real quick? You hear about Peter and John. You hear about the layman. Could you be lame? You're not lame, but would you just be lame for me? 
there's two people in the text, you don't get their names. And the Bible says every day they picked him up. I'm trying to Steven Spielberg this thing if y'all help me. They picked him up every day. Watch this. They dropped him at the temple gate. Yep. He would put out his cup, beg, they go home, come back about 5 o'clock, pick him back up, drop him back to where he stayed. That's Sunday. Monday. Every day. Pick him up. <laughs> drop him at the temple gate. Put out his cup. They go home. Come back by 5 o'clock. Pick him back up. Take him back to his house. Monday. Tuesday. Pick him up. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> Every day. Every day. So the text tells you about Peter and John. It don't tell you about Billy and Bob. Billy and Bob. Every day. So I'm thinking, if you picked them up, and you dropped them at the temple gate, and he puts out his cup, maybe day one you did it out the kindness of your heart. Maybe day two. Maybe a week. But every day? There had to be one of those days when they came back, looked in the cup, and said, hey, bro, we're going to be picking you up and dropping you all day for free. <laughs> you're going to help a brother out a little bit. And all of a sudden, they take their cut, you know, take the cut, get your cut, get your cut. And all of a sudden, they got a business going. Pick them back up and take them back. They're... They're benefiting, they're benefiting from his disability. So the real power in the text is that in your life when you are stuck, you will always have Peter and John's who are trying to empower you and bring you to the next level of what God has for you. And you will always have Billy's and Bob's who are actually benefiting from your dysfunction. They don't want you to be healed. They don't want you to be whole. They don't want you to get better because it is to their benefit that you are stuck because they're getting a cut. Oh, come on, somebody. See, some of y'all can't shout because you sit next to Billy and Bob. But I'm telling you, watch out. For enablers, I don't want you to enable me. Give me somebody who will tell me God's got more for you. You got to get up and get into what he has for you. Oh, somebody give him some praise in this place today. Thank you. He's healed. Hallelujah. Every day, worship team, join me. Every day. Later on, we will find in the text this has been happening, please hear me, for 40 years. 40 years. Get picked up. Put out my cup. Make a few bucks. Give them their cut. Go back home. 
get picked up, fill up my cup, make a few bucks, give them their cut, go home. For 40 years? Get picked up, put out my cup, make a few bucks, give you your cut, go back home. You realize that's how a lot of people live their life. That's your job. <laughs> Think I created you just go to work, make a few bucks. Uncle Sam, there's your cut. <laughs> go back home. After 40 years, you're just a robot. Just going through the motions. Get picked up. Put out my cup. Make a few bucks. Give them their cut. Go home. Just stuck. You know you're stuck when you stop looking up. I think it happened for so long, you just stop even looking up. It's just, you ever seen people that bad? It's just a system. They don't even look up. It's just, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, please, thank you. Until one day. What I love about God is you can have one day. One day can change the trajectory of your life. That is not hyperbole. That's not preacher hype. One day after 40 years of getting picked up, put out my cup, take one day, all of a sudden he puts out his cup and he hears a voice full of the power of the Holy Spirit who said, look at us. Look at us. And all of a sudden, He's forced to look up. I bet he did look up and give Peter and John his attention. They messed up his system. They wrecked his routine. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to break the monotony of your mundane system. He wants to wreck your routine and force you to not just go through the motions and not just having a job, but to actually have life. Look at us. All of a sudden, the Bible says that he gave them his attention. He gave him his attention. He finally paid attention. This entire text is all about attention. Paying attention. Peter and John were the first people in 40 years to actually even notice the man. Every other believer just walked over him and kept going into church. It took two people to finally pay attention and say, wait a minute. If any two or three of us gather in the name of Jesus, we ain't got to wait till we get in the sanctuary. God does miracles in the parking lot. We can have a healing service right here. They finally paid attention. Do you know sometimes the greatest miracle in your life will just start by you paying attention? God getting your attention. Because hear me, if God can get your attention, he will exceed your expectations. Did you hear what I said? If God can get your attention, he can exceed your expectation. Look at us. Can you see the man? He looks up. And surely he's thinking, finally, finally, somebody that sees me. Somebody that knows what I'm going through, Woo! I'm about to get a good check today. 
Oh, you know that's what he was thinking, right? They finally see me. Oh, I'm telling you, they're going to put some good money in this cup. Oh, they finally looked at me. They didn't just walk by and just throw something in the cup. They demanded my intention. Oh, I must be able to get some good money out of them. Come on, think about it. Do you think this guy thought he was about to get up and walk? No, 40 years he had been in that position. This dude wasn't lacing up his shoes. He was thinking maybe, perhaps, I'm going to get some good money this time. And this is the danger of a system of stuckness. If you're not careful when you're in a system of stuckness, you will downgrade your dream to your reality. You will downgrade what God can do in your life and say, no, movement is not possible. Mobility is not possible. So I'll just settle for some money. But no, God wants to exceed your expectations. And I found out sometimes God will tell your dream no if you got the wrong dream. His dream was just to get some money. It was the wrong dream. God said, I actually got more for you. You just want money. I have mobility available. I love what Michelangelo says. He says, the danger of most of us is not that we aim too high and miss it, but rather that we aim too low and reach it. He didn't even think movement was possible. So Peter had to jack him up. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have... I give you. His greatest miracle was preceded by a major disappointment. You ain't got no money? Well, bro, why you stop in the first place? What do you mean silver and gold you do not have? When you hear it, you start shouting. But you understand this dude had to be depressed. He had to be mad. What do you mean you don't have? But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, some of y'all aren't shouting because you don't really understand the power that is in that name. You understand that is the only name that demons tremble at. In the name of Jesus. I love Peter. He had to be a preacher because he's name dropping. You know how people like to name drop? But can I tell you, if you're going to name drop, please drop a name that actually has the power to lift somebody up. If there's ever a name you need to drop when you are stuck, come on, you need to drop the name of Jesus, the name that can heal, the name that can save, the name that can restore. Come on, somebody give them some praise in this place today. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Can you stand to your feet? He got up. Strength came to his legs, and the Bible says he started running, leaping, dancing. Come on, he's been lame from birth. Never walked a day in his life, but as soon as the power of God hit his life, this dude didn't need no baby steps. He gets up and starts running and dancing and leaping. Come on, this is for somebody. I know you've been stuck for a while, and you think I've been stuck for so long. There's no way God can do anything with my life. It's been too long. No, I came to tell you, God knows how to redeem the time you wasted. He can expedite the process. Come on, even when you've been stuck, you can still get up and move and have mobility got up went right back into the temple and started praising God and people were looking at him saying don't take all that bro calm down they recognized him as the same one that used to beg and I'm thankful that God would allow people to see you in your begging season and allow them to recognize you in your leaping season 
Never be ashamed of your testimony. Never be ashamed of the junk he brought you out of. Sometimes God will let you get a bad press release. So when he does something in your life, you can stand up and say, yeah, I'm the same guy. I'm the same one. God changed my life. Can I show you one more thing and I'll be done? Because this started a whole movement. This man's healing started a whole movement. Peter and John got arrested, got on trial, preached. 2,000 people got saved. Here's what I really want you to see in Acts chapter 4. Can we put that on the screen? Acts chapter 4. It says, they had Peter and John, this is on their trial, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. And they asked, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Come on. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, ready for the mic drop, there was nothing else they could say. Do you see the beauty of being stuck that he was an illustration of the power of the name of Jesus. And they would have rejected Peter and John. But once they saw that lame dude who was stuck standing there, they said, there's nothing else we can say. And when people see your life, how God's raised you up, what else can they say? But only Jesus did this. Same God that did it for that man is willing and able to do it for you today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the beauty of being stuck. God, I thank you that we don't have to stay stuck, but there is a one day we can get up and walk in all that you have for us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this place today, but if you'd be so honest to say, you know what, I'm, I'm in a stuck season. You know you're stuck when you stop looking up. Maybe you lost your hope, lost your joy. You don't have to stay stuck. And you don't have to think that being stuck is years wasted. God knows how to redeem the time. But you do have to give him your attention. They paid attention. He gave Peter and John his attention. If you give God your attention, he will exceed your expectations. 